You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Bingham. Thank you for being here. Hope you had a great weekend. We are on YouTube, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Thank you for being here. Please hit that subscribe button. Um, You guys, lots to talk about today. BYU football, Utah football, Utah jazz basketball, BYU quarterbacks in the NFL and how are they doing, and two of my least favorite injuries in the NFL right now. So let's just dive in. Uh, We're going to start with BYU football. The first ever college football rankings came out last week, so about a week ago. BYU was ranked 15th. It was a surprise to many people, myself included. I expected them to be around 18 or 19. So 15 was nice because what? It leaves the door open for the Cougars to make a New Year's Six Bowl, which I had predicted there was still a crack in that door. The window, the door, whatever whatever you know, uh, device you want to enter through, a window or a door, it was cracked open, right? And so... The committee proved that. The committee proved me right and said, yes, the door is open for the Cougars to make a New Year's Six Bowl. We're going to put them right at the fringe at 15th, and let's just see what happens. Let's see if they can win out. They knew we had cupcakes left. Uh, They knew we had um, Idaho State, and I think it's like Georgia Southern is the next one, and then USC. We had just beaten down Virginia and Bronco Mendenhall. What was the final score of that one? 66 to something, 66 to 49. I went to that one. It was a shootout. Um, closer than it should have been, uh, BYU was blowing them out, then let them come storming back and actually take the lead for a little bit. And then BYU kind of blew them out again. So get a pretty big win by 17 points, 66 total points for the Cougars. Um, fantastically impressive win over a a then six and one Virginia team out of the ACC, former BYU coach Bronco Mendenhall. That was a big win. That was a really, really big win. Tyler Algier played out of his mind. Um, 266 yards, five touchdowns. They really reined him in uh, this last weekend, just a couple days ago, uh, as they should have against Idaho State. Um, and BYU gets a huge win there, 259 to 14. But they didn't really play Tyler Algier much, didn't play a lot of their starters a ton. Uh, why? Because, I mean, the, the win was pretty pretty much in hand before the game even started. So, But they got to hold on to this high ranking, and you got to be blowing teams out. You have to win 59-14 against FCS Idaho State if you want to keep that top 15 ranking. They did that. Um, You'll see the rankings come out here shortly, and I'm guessing you'll see the Cougars around 14th because Auburn and Baylor both lost who were just barely ahead of the Cougars. So you would think that you would watch uh, those teams drop below BYU and BYU would climb up into like the 14th spot, maybe 15th or maybe 13th. But it is an FCS opponent, so you just don't know how that's going to be viewed. They did blow them out. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how many points you can get. It's funny, though, to watch. So everyone knows that the college football playoff committee poll is the most important, really the only one that matters. So the AP... Um, had BYU ranked like 17th or something like that, and then the or 20th, I think, and then the coaches poll had him at 17th, and they both kind of adjusted their rankings to to more closely match what the College Football Playoff Committee rankings had been from last week in anticipation of the com- of them coming out again this week. So BYU jumped like five spots for beating Idaho State in one of the polls. <laughs> it's like, come on, they jumped three spots in the other one for beating Idaho State. I mean, typically. You're not going to jump at all, you know. And now with an, a near identical record, both with two losses, I think Baylor's seven and two, BYU's eight and two. 
but we lost to Baylor pretty badly. I mean, not like blown out, but like it was a very, like Baylor won the game, clearly. Um, it wasn't like some close nail biter. Like they, they won the game, period. And, and we have identical number of losses. We played head to head and got beat pretty securely, pretty solidly. And yet now we're ahead of Baylor. So there's little things like that where, I mean, it was on Baylor's home field. Take that into account. BYU's body of work is actually quite impressive. Um, but I just I just find that interesting how the AP poll and the coaches poll. It's like, why do we even have all the polls? It's stupid. Just just do the playoff committee poll, you know, because that's the only one that matters. Um, and I'm guessing that BYU will be ranked 14th. We play we play next. I think again. I think it is Georgia Southern. I should have that pulled up. Um, I'm nearly positive it's Georgia Southern. And then at USC on the road to finish out the season, another Pac-12 opponent. Pac-12 is not looking good, kind of cannibalizing themselves because Stanford beat Oregon, and then Stanford just got blown out by Utah. And so you're going to see Oregon and Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I'm going to guess that Oregon wins, uh, but but Oregon comes to Salt Lake City this weekend. And so it's like, is Oregon going to beat Utah here and in the in the Pac-12 championship game. If they do, then that would put them in to the college football playoff game, right? Or playoffs. Um, but what if they lose this weekend and then beat them in the Pac-12 championship game? Then they go to the Rose Bowl and Utah gets left with nothing. Utah could potentially go to the Rose Bowl, but really, I don't think they could. I was talking to my friend Dave Glauser and he kind of opened my eyes here. Because he said it's Utah or Oregon. Oregon goes if they lose to Utah this week, then beat them in the in the Pac-12 championship game. Utah is being projected by many to go to the Rose Bowl, but you think about it, and it's like, well, how would that? The only way that could happen is if Oregon didn't go, and Oregon could only go if they beat Utah twice. Okay, and if they beat Utah twice, are you really going to take a five-loss Utah team to the Rose Bowl? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know exactly how that works. Like if they have to take, you know, Utah because they'd be the runner up in the, you know, they'd be the Pac-12 runner up. I don't, I don't think that's how it works. So are you going to take a a five loss conference runner up? I don't think so. So I think Utah can only go to the Rose Bowl if they beat Oregon this week. And then there may be a four loss team um, with Pac-12 Rose Bowl ties and they get it that way. But my guess is you're not going to see Utah in a in a New Year's Six Bowl, even though they've got the conference tie to make it happen with a worse schedule or and a worse record than BYU. BYU, on the other hand, they've got a chance. They've got a chance. They, now, they don't have a whole lot of help coming their way uh, with the scheduling. You've got a crappy team left in Georgia Southern, um, and then you've got USC on the road, which that's at least a Pac-12 foe. It's a Power Five conference. It's on the road. Um, good chance to make some noise there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. A lot to be played out here. I like where the committees put BYU. It's exciting. BYU draws a big crowd. They have fans that travel. Uh, they've got nationwide viewership. They've had that contract with ESPN for years. Obviously, their ties to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints give them fans kind of all over the place. It is a school where a lot of people come from out of state to attend, and then they go back to their you know respective states afterwards. So I could see the, the playoff committee liking all of this 
uh, for a New Year's Six game. BYU's not getting into the playoffs. Let's just make sure that's clear. They wouldn't get into the playoffs. But could they get one of those key six bowl games? Um, so you've got the two major ones and th- that are the playoff games, and then you've got four others. Could BYU get into one of those? Are they a top 12 team? They're right on the they're right on the fringe. If they can blow out Georgia Southern, which I keep saying Georgia Southern, and I actually haven't checked to see if it's them. So just give me a second while I do that. Uh, but if they can blow out Georgia Southern, and then um, if they can beat USC on the road, I think they are a top 12 team. I kind of do. I kind of do. They're eight and two. Um, and yeah, it is Georgia Southern, by the way. Just want to make sure of that. You know, and looking at the rankings right now, Cincinnati, you know, wins again. Dang it. And, they, they, you know, they're ranked second and third in the AP and coaches poll, respectively. But in the playoff committee poll, Cincinnati was clear down at sixth, and they almost lost uh, the other day. Cincinnati almost lost. We could have used that. I think if Cincinnati loses, you're going to see them fall dramatically. Probably not quite past BYU, but I think they'll be like two spots ahead of them, maybe one spot ahead of them, because uh, they nearly lost the other night. They nearly lost just the other day. And they're the only team really standing in BYU's way of a New Year's Six Bowl is Cincinnati, because nobody else uh, that's independent or non-Power 5, I should say, is ahead of them other than Notre Dame, and Notre Dame kind of doesn't really count because they really are basically a Power 5 school. But you've got Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, um, this was actually as of last week, so let me look at the current AP poll. Um, because Michigan State lost and they dropped a few spots, but they'll still be ahead of BYU, of course. But Michigan, Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, who just lost, and then uh, the obvious big ones, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Oregon, Ohio State. So those are the teams ahead of BYU. Auburn and Baylor just dropped down below them. Teams could climb back up, though. You know, if Auburn goes and gets good victories, they, they're going to play Alabama still if they beat them. I mean, they, you could see teams jump BYU because, again, we, we play Georgia Southern next week, so who knows. But if you blow them out, hopefully they stay. One thing i got to say, though, Tyler Algier should be in the Heisman talk. I don't know how he is not in the Heisman talk. I'm not seeing his name mentioned anywhere for the Heisman uh, Trophy candidates that are going to go to New York. And Why? His team is in the top 15 in the country. They're 8-2. and two. He's leading FBS, all FBS running back, all FBS people, period, in rushing touchdowns with 17. And that's while pulling the reins back this last week against um, Idaho State. He could have ran for 600 yards and 10 touchdowns you know, on Saturday. But they were like, we're not going to do that. So even with that game pulling the reins way back, he's leading everybody in rushing touchdowns in Division I football. He's third in rushing yards. Come on. Third in rushing yards, first in touchdowns. Team is ranked in the top 15 with eight and two. What more do you want from a guy to not be at least a Heisman candidate? Candidate. I'm not saying he should win the Heisman, but at least let him be a candidate to go to New York to like have that experience to be among those getting votes. He's absolutely deserving. I just don't know what more you want from a guy than to be in the top three in yards and the number one guy in touchdowns like that's that's pretty impressive and that's what Tyler Algier has done the guy is an absolute stud I'm sure he's going to the league next year and we wish him nothing but the best but he he's going to go down as one of the greatest running backs in BYU history this season will go down as one of the greatest performances by a BYU running back in history Um, it's been phenomenal to watch the game against Virginia was a work of art the guy is unstoppable He's, he's just a, 
He's a freight train. He's impossible to take down. He's got speed. He's got explosiveness. He's got agility. He's got great vision. And he is tough, tough, tough as nails. So loving Tyler Algier and just want to give him a shout out. He should be getting some notice for Heisman votes. At the very least, some votes. That's all I'm asking for. Okay, Utah football. Utah is unranked across the board. Wah, wah, wah. Um, they are getting votes around the 29-30 spot. So you might see them, you know, as the 25th team here in the college football playoff rankings that come out shortly. I doubt it. I think they're going to have to win one more, which is going to be against Oregon. Then they'd for sure be in there with that victory. Um, probably jump all the way up to like 20th or something. Uh, at that point, they'd be 7-3. and three. Right now, they're 6-3. and three. They are 5-1 and one in the Pac-12, which is, of course, first place in the South. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Utes. But this is a good year for this for football in the state of Utah, especially with BYU beating Utah because it feels like, oh, all of a sudden, like, it's both teams are really good. Because in the past, even when BYU was having a good, you know, a winning record, but then would lose to Utah over and over and over and over, it felt like maybe it was just still lopsided. Um, but now it feels like, oh, wow, like we've got two really solid teams here in the state that are very um, respectable. And I think you're going to see Utah finish the season somewhere in the top 25. We'll see, though, because if they end up losing two games to Oregon, uh, having five losses, that'll be tough to be a top 25 team, but we'll see. Okay, uh, on to the NFL, but sticking with the BYU theme, okay? We have two quarterbacks in the NFL right now from BYU uh, that are very popular, right? Taysom Hill with the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints, and then, of course, Zach Wilson, number two overall pick this last draft with the New York Jets. And uh, both of them should have their opportunities right now to, like, start and make a name for themselves. Zach Wilson, just by nature of being the number two draft pick and getting the starting job right off the bat. Taysom Hill, by nature of Drew Brees retiring. Jameis Winston uh, now getting hurt, which is too bad because I like Jameis Winston, actually. But Taysom wasn't quite ready, and so Trevor Simeon gets gets put into the lineup, plays well, gets the next start, plays well, and then gets the next start again, you know, this last, just yesterday, he starts again, I mean, and and plays well again. They did move Taysom in a little bit for a couple of plays. I think he threw two passes. But, like, that's kind of what he did even when Drew Brees was quarterback. So it looks like, unfortunately, Taysom Hill is just a backup, period. It almost looks like Sean Payton has decided, you know what, I really like what Taysom can do for us in this sort of uh, unique fashion where he's, a threat to run, and he's a threat to catch, and he's a threat to throw, and he's a threat to block. Uh, it looks like he's more of that role, period. Doesn't matter if Drew Brees is there. Doesn't matter if uh, Jameis Winston is there. That's the role that Taysom Hill has, is to just be the Swiss Army Knife guy, not an actual quarterback. That's what they're telling me. That that's what That's what Sean Payton is telling me with how he's using him. He's not using him in a way of like, hey, you're the backup quarterback. You go take every snap. Not using him that way. Trevor Simeon's going to do it. And it looks like Trevor Simeon's playing pretty good. Capitalize on his on his opportunity, and he'll probably start again next week. Um, even worse for BYU fans is the Zach Wilson situation. The guy is the number two overall pick, and if it wasn't for being injured for a couple of weeks now, he'd be leading the league in interceptions, because he was. But his backup comes in, Mike White, and you can't make this stuff up. He plays so well that his jersey from his first career start is already in the Hall of Fame. 
That's no joke. It's already there. The jersey is already there on display in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's how well Zach Wilson's replacement played when given the opportunity. He's in his third season, but it was his first career start. He's the second guy since 1950, which to me says he's the second guy ever, okay, to throw for 400-plus yards in a debut in a first career start, the other guy being Cam Newton. He threw for 405 yards. Cam Newton was like 422. So he's the second guy in the history of the league since 1950, but we'll say history of the league because who knows what was happening before that, to throw for 400-plus yards in a debut. He threw for three touchdowns, okay? Zach Wilson has like four all season long. He threw for three touchdowns in his first career start, 405 yards, and 37 completions, which is an all-time NFL record. 37 completions in his first career start. You put And he led his team, who has sucked all season long with Zach Wilson at quarterback, he led them to a come-from-behind victory to win 34-31 over the Bengals, who at the time were like 5-1 and one, or 5-2, and two, something like that. So that's how good Mike White played to supplant Zach Wilson. So he starts again the other day, yesterday, ends up getting hurt, but there's already talk, but he played well. He threw a touchdown. His QBR was like a 90-something. He was 7 of 11 passing with a touchdown, no picks. Um. The team scores 30 points. I mean, they just score more points and get more touchdowns if Zach Wilson's not in the game. I hate to say it, BYU fans. I like Zach Wilson. I like BYU. But you just have to look at the facts. And the facts are that with their third-string quarterback, they score more points than with their first-string quarterback. It doesn't look good for Zach Wilson. It doesn't look good at all. And this is why I didn't want Zach to go to New York. I wanted him to go somewhere where he would sit on the bench and learn for a season. Or... Go to somebody as smart as Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and that whole system where you're going to get just little check downs, check down, check down. They don't have Mac Jones doing anything special in New England, but they've got one of the best defenses in the league backing him up, and they've got one of the most brilliant football minds training him and game planning for him to just do little dink and ducks, dink, dink and dunks, okay? Little check down passes, little screen passes, nothing, nothing crazy, nothing too wildly downfield unless it's safe. Um, that's what Mac Jones is doing in New England, and it's working. It's working. They keep winning. Like, the Patriots look pretty good. And meanwhile, Zach Wilson has one career win. Uh, he has more interceptions than touchdowns. His his career, you know, season, I should say, which is career, his season QBR on a scale of 1 to 100, and again, QBR takes into account um, down and distance, you know, time remaining on the clock, uh, it's a lot of situational football in addition to the typical statistics of you know completion percentage, touchdowns, interceptions, yards per pass, things like that. Okay, So it takes into account all of these things. It's a really good metric for how good a quarterback is. Zach Wilson's 0 to 100 QBR this season is 28. Okay, 28. Mike White's is 60.5, his backup, who nobody had ever heard of until a week and a half ago. 60.5. So Mike White has a higher completion percentage by quite a bit. He has more wins, more touchdowns, and fewer interceptions. There is no metric that you can look at and say that Zach Wilson is the better quarterback. So now the question is, if you're in New York, it's like, well, shoot, is Mike White, like, just, is, is he maybe a guy we need to, like, give a real chance to here? I mean, his, his first start, his jersey's in the Hall of Fame. Maybe we give him another look. And so the talk today, Monday, out of New York at practice is that he's going to start again. And Zach Wilson's fine. He's going to be healthy. 
but they want to start Mike White again. And maybe this is this is just their way of saying, hey, you know what? This season's kind of lost. Zach Wilson's a teeny bit banged up. His, we kind of want to see what this Mike White guy can do, maybe just for trade bait, if nothing else, to trade him away to somebody else. Or he becomes this bona fide stud starter. You sit Zach Wilson for another season or two. Maybe you look to trade him away. I don't know. But it looks like they're going to sit Zach Wilson again in favor of Mike White. He'll probably be on a short leash. if he plays The second he plays poorly, I'm sure he gets yanked and Zach Wilson goes back in. I don't think they're giving up on Zach yet. But it is interesting. With I mean, they gave him a bunch of starts. He didn't play well. They give Zach or uh, Mike White one, and he plays so well, the jersey goes to the Hall of Fame. You can't make that stuff up. So two BYU quarterbacks that should be starting right now, and neither one of them is. Neither one of them is. Trevor Simeon outplays Taysom Hill. Um, injuries kind of an issue there, and then injuries again a little bit of an issue with Zach Wilson. But his replacement plays really well also. So it's like both guys just can't get can't catch a break right now. It seems like so. Um, just something to keep an eye on rooting for both of them. I truly am. Um, so now to my injuries, I am bummed about Jameis Winston's injury, but the, the two injuries that I'm most bummed about are one is JJ Watt of the Arizona Cardinals and two Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. Those are my two least favorite injuries that happened so far this season in the NFL. JJ Watt is just such a stud. He's so likable. He's one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the league. The guy has the most sacks, get this, since 2011, he has the most sacks of anybody in the NFL, and he barely played for three of the seasons since then, for three of them. <laughs> That's unbelievable. This, so, so Von Miller, this all came up because Von Miller got traded to the Rams, which, you know, just to talk briefly about that, that's a heck of a deal for the, the Rams. Um, the, the, this is the Rams saying, we want to win a Super Bowl right now this season. We have, we, we went and got Matthew Stafford. Okay, we have Aaron Donald. And we want to make, maybe we want to be so stout on defense and get to the quarterback so thoroughly that nobody's going to stop us. Nobody's going to stop us. They, they've got an offensive genius uh, as the head coach in Sean McVay. They went and got their quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who other than yesterday has looked really, really good this season. Yesterday was a different story. Uh, they've got the best receiver in the league right now, statistically speaking, in Cooper Cup. And they have a stout defense with Aaron Donald, of course, and I'm spacing the – I can't think of their their cornerback's name. That's a stud. Um, cornerback. Jalen Ramsey. I just thought of his name. Let me, yeah, Jalen Ramsey, of course. So – so they've got Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, two of the best defenders in the NFL. You add Von Miller, who's not the Von Miller of old, but he's still really freaking good. They're saying we want to win right now, okay? Um, and anyway, so Von Miller has the most sacks um, since 2011 with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt being right there, like nipping at his heels. J so J.J. Watt, I think he's tied actually with, J with Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. That's what it is. And J.J. Watt hasn't even played like three of the seasons. Three of them. And so I'm so bummed that he's injured again. So J.J. Watt has 102 career sacks. The all-time record is 200, by the way, by Bruce Smith. And then 198 by Reggie White. But J.J. Watt had 20 and a half sacks one season, 10 and a half the next, 20 and a half the next, 17 and a half the next. The guy was a wrecking ball. He was destroying offensive lines and, and quarterbacks for four straight seasons. Unfortunately, he gets hurt after getting a sack and a half through two and some games in 2016. 
misses that entire season, basically misses the entire next season because he comes back and has another nagging injury and gets another injury, and it's just ugh, downhill. So he misses two straight seasons then, right? Comes back the next year, 2018, and has 16 sacks again. He's right back where he left off. And then the next season, 2019, again he's injured. Ugh. And then 2020, plays a full season last year for the Texans, but he's kind of a shell of himself, and he seemed to remain that way this season through seven games, only with one sack on the year, his worst of his career, um, when playing at least you know six games or more. So it, I'm so bummed because I look at this and I'm like, man, if you take away these three seasons where he had like just awful injuries, one was like his pec tore off, you know, I think one was an ACL. Three seasons where he had season-ending surgeries, you know, again this season with another one. This guy is like, should be on pace to be the all-time sacks leader. He's one of the greatest defenders ever. So I'm just so bummed to see him. And the, and the Cardinals are winning. And I know he's not like some key piece to their defense physically, but mentally and emotionally he's got to be. And maybe he still can be. But they were winning and he had a chance to like potentially even win a Super Bowl. It looked like the, It looks like this team has that potential. Um, and he won't really be a part of that now. And that makes me sad because I really like J.J. Watt. So that's one. The other one, Derrick Henry. This guy is playing for a team that also has Super Bowl chances. He's the MVP of the league up to this point, in my opinion. Although yesterday his team wins big, very surprisingly to me, um, and without him. So it just goes to show. And, and meanwhile, the Packers can barely even move the ball without Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. And so it just goes to show how important quarterback is and how replaceable some of these other positions are. Um, like Odell Beckham Jr. Everybody thought he was just God's gift to football. The guy's like not even on fantasy squads. Like he's he's literally like obsolete. He just got waived by the Browns. I mean, we'll see if he makes a comeback. But man, you are so replaceable as a wide receiver in the NFL. You are so replaceable. There are so many guys out there that can that can do what you can do for a fraction of the money, for a fraction of the ego. Um, so anyway, those are my two least favorite injuries. Derrick Henry. And J.J. Watt, Derrick Henry was on MVP pace. Again, his team has a chance to win a Super Bowl, and he won't be there part of it. He, he's having one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in the history of the NFL at running back, and he goes down with a season-ending injury. I hate it. I hate it. Um, okay, last thing before I wrap up. The Jazz looking good, 7-3. and three. Once again, not good on the road. We've dropped two straight over the last couple of days in Florida, Miami Heat, and then Orlando Magic. In back-to-back games on the road, you know, I get that most teams are, pretty much all teams are better at home than they are on the road, but the Jazz historically and repeatedly underachieve on the road. Like, we should win one of those games. We should win. We had a great comeback against the Heat, fell short, and then we blew a lead against the Magic. We had, you know, Cole Beasley or whatever his name is, um, you know, lit us up. For, what's his name? Cole, whatever. Anthony Cole. Cole Anthony. You know, lights us up for 33 points or something like that. Like, we just can't have that. So I want to see what the Jazz can do on the road this year. We need a record on the road well above 500. I want to see it be like five, six, seven games above 500 on the road. And if we can do that, then I think we're going to be in good shape. But the Jazz are looking good. I'm loving the addition of Hassan Whiteside because what did we do? We said, look, this is how we play best. We're the, we have the best plus minus in the league with Rudy Gobert on the court. When Rudy Gobert's on the court, he's a rim protector, he's a rebounder, um, he's a shot blocker, he's an enforcer, okay? Hassan Whiteside's like not a very 
far downgrade from that, from Rudy Gobert. The fact that we even got him to come play in Utah as a backup is crazy to me because he's very similar to Rudy and he fits the system. Maybe that's why he wanted to play here because everyone else is getting rid of the center and saying, hey, go to the three-point line and just pretend that you're not seven feet tall, right? Go play completely differently because the game changed without you. Sorry. And we don't do that in Utah. We want Rudy Gobert in the center. We want him being a center, back to the basket, catching lobs, setting picks um, on offense. And then on defense, go block shots, get rebounds. And Hassan Whiteside is being asked to do the exact same thing. And he does it at a near Rudy Gobert level. And so we don't ever have to change our game plan uh, when Rudy Gobert comes out. We just put Hassan Whiteside in, and it's like we barely even skip a beat, okay? Um, offensively and defensively. It's it's one of the most genius pickups ever when we did it. I thought it was big, but now that I'm seeing it implemented, I'm realizing just how big it is. This could be a game-changing move for the Utah Jazz to have, to have Hassan Whiteside as the backup to Rudy Gobert. It really could be. Keep an eye on that. Season's early. It's 7-3. and three. It's very early. By the way, the Lakers with Russell Westbrook, 5-5, five and five, something to keep an eye on. Last note in the NBA, loving the rule change. Um, I've actually grown to like James Harden a little bit. The Nets are seven and three, but watching James Harden struggle to be the dominant player he was because he can't, you know, foul bait, whistle whistle bait, and and flop and get rewarded for it anymore. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Not at the expense of of James Harden, but just for the sake of quality basketball. I'm loving it. Learn to play the game the right way. Beat your man or or don't. We're not going to bail you out with whistles because you jumped into him or you hooked his arm before you went up for a, a fake shot. Play basketball the right way. If you get fouled, you get fouled. If you don't, you don't. Period. End of story. I'm loving it. That is all the time I have for today, you guys. You are awesome. Please hit that subscribe button. I am out. Peace. We got the same. We got the Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports.